Welcome to bizpod.ninja, your central hub for business wisdom from rockstar entrepreneurs, CEOs, VCs, corporate development gurus, and more. Join us weekly for Truths from the Trenches with your host and business ninja, Andreas Penna. Welcome everyone to this edition of bizpod.ninja, formerly known as, which I got to get used to that it's now called corpdev.ninja. I did have a rebrand last week. All things corporate development, wisdom and truths from the trenches with leading founders, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists. It's a great honor today, August 28th, 2020. I have Sam Hodges here with me uh, on the show. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for for making the time. How are you? How's everything? Uh, You're joining in from the Bay Area, San Francisco. Yeah, I am um, sitting in San Francisco today and, you know, trying to stay out of the smoke. Obviously, the last uh, six months have been, uh, you know, challenged for everybody. And, you know, California is not getting a break, unfortunately, over the last uh, week or so. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been just absolutely. I mean, this year alone, I think people want to cancel 2020, but we still have a few more months left. Well, how, are you dealing, how are you dealing? <laughs> how are you and the family? How are you guys dealing with COVID just in general? Look, I, I really can't complain. My family's, you know, uh, safe and well. And fortunately, you know, the business I'm leading, Vouch, you know, things continue to crank along. I mean, it's really sad to see, obviously, how COVID has, you know, had such a terrible impact all over the world and, you know, certainly here in, in the United States. But in my little corner of the universe, you know, everything is more or less going as the way we should. And honestly, you know, biggest concern is monotony, which is why, you know, doing things like this and catching up with friends who I'm not able to see in person as much any, anymore is, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's fun. It's a good way to mix it up. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Sam. Quick bio on Sam, everyone. Sam Hodges is co-founder and CEO of Vouch Insurance, which serves the needs of high growth technology companies backed by $70 million in equity uh, and private equity and venture capital from Ribbit Capital, Silicon Valley Bank, Y Combinator and Index Ventures, among others. Previously, Sam served as co-founder and U.S. Managing Director for Funding Circle uh, US, a leading global lending platform for small businesses where he helped scale the US operation to over $1.5 billion in total origination volume, serving tens of thousands of small businesses. Before this, Sam played a role in building several other financial technology companies, started his career in management consulting and investing, um, which is interesting. I, m- m- pretty much two thirds of my guests all start their careers in some form of management consulting or investing before becoming entrepreneurs. So I'm finding a common thread here, or maybe I'm self-selecting. He received his MBA uh, and master's from Stanford University and graduated magna cum laude from Brown University and is a fellow of the inaugural class of the Aspen Institute Finance Leaders Fellowship. What an incredible background, uh, Sam. I know your parents must be proud. (laughs) I don't think my parents actually know what I do. Um, (laughs) When I I talk to them some days, it's like, they think I'm in private equity. Other days, I think they realize that I'm an entrepreneur. I think they figured it out, but it, it took them. It took them a little bit of time. You know, uh, that's a very similar. That resonates with me because, yeah, my after I left a standard corporate track uh, nine years ago, my parents are still. They don't even when they get asked a question, they're like, "Oh, great, how's your son doing?" or "What does your son do?" They actually don't know how to answer that because mergers and acquisitions, venture capital, all these things that I'm doing, they just yeah, it's it sounds like uh, we just. Yeah, got, you're having a good time. You know, you're, you're having a good day, time. You got the energy. What could be wrong? Sam, you know, you got a super diverse background. Tell me about your journey into entrepreneurialism. So you went to standard, I guess, from Brown University. Did you went into management consulting first? Is that right? Yep. 
academic side. My dad is a, a research physicist and engineer. My mom was a science writer, you know, in addition to taking care of my sister and me. And honestly, through most of the college, I actually thought that I was going to be, you know, an academic. I, I was planning to go down that path. And it wasn't until, you know, I kind of broadened my horizons a little bit and done a couple of internships that, you know, I realized, that, you know, there actually were interesting things to do in the private sector as well. And was lucky to get a good gig, you know, coming out of school where, you know, they invested a lot in training and learned a tremendous amount. And one of the things I learned was that- Which consulting? I, really, I, which uh, consulting? I was a firm called Cats and Back Partners, uh, okay. uh, strategy and organization focused firm in, cool. uh, I guess, four or five global offices. I was yeah. based out of New York, had a chance to work on projects and with clients all over the world, which was really cool. I mean, you know, as a 23 or 24 year old, you know, going and spending time, I was in, you know, Basel, Switzerland for a while. We, we did some work in Canada, did work all over the US. It was just incredible exposure. And although it was really intellectually engaging, one thing I realized pretty quickly is, you know, solving the problems of very large legacy businesses wasn't nearly as much fun as building stuff. And right. so kind of made the, the determination um, pretty quickly that I wanted to do, you know, more on the company building, more on the kind of early stage and, and growth side of things. And one thing I kind of leave off my resume is actually I worked briefly at a startup after consulting. Mm. Although it was funny because actually a month after I joined them, the company was acquired. Oh, and wow. so what was the name of that company? It was uh, called Blue Mobile, or it was at one one time called Digicel USA, uh, kind of after the rebrand. Uh, it was a MVNO focused on Latinx immigrants in the United States. R really uh, powerful idea. Great team. You know, still in touch with some of the folks I, I worked with then. Yeah. And that was that was my first taste of being in a startup. It was a wild couple of months. And then um, I talk myself and talk my way into a job at a, a venture capital and growth equity uh, shop. And kind of the rest is, you know, history, I guess, on some levels. And yeah, here we are. Great, great. Now that that's remarkable. And then, you know, I know when we met, I think we met when, when I think you were at an internship in London. Was it between your year so at was, Stanford or were you working? No, it was actually when I was working at the uh, Venture Capital Fund, if memory serves. And oh, I was yeah. over, right. I believe when we met was in London, uh, and this is going to make us feel old, but it was probably 14 years ago. And uh, we were, one of the businesses we were involved with was based in the UK. And so I was over there for uh, for that. And then after that, joined one of our portfolio companies to run business development for them. And and then went back to grad school, kind of as a way to get back to the West Coast as much as anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Remarkable. And so tell me after grad school, how did you tell me about the journey with with Funding Circle? And maybe you can give a little background on what Funding Circle is to the viewers, but it is a remarkable story. I remember when you launched the US version, and I believe it was a merger with the UK equivalent, and then eventually you guys IPO'd. So can you tell me about that? Sure. So I guess coming out of coming out of grad school, I was excited about the prospect of starting a company and spent a lot of time thinking about problems that felt you know resonant to, to me and my co-founder and business partner uh, then. And long story short, you know, had seen kind of firsthand some of the issues around right. raising uh, debt or getting loans as a small business owner. And, you know, on the other hand, both my co-founder and I at that time had worked in more traditional financial services and seen, you know, you can form tens of millions of dollars for very large companies, oftentimes very risky companies. Mm -hmm. But if you're running a small business, and in this case, you know, if he had built and I was an investor in a, a fitness business, we had a really hard time getting a $100,000 loan for that business. And we just, we kind of felt very intuitively there was something pretty badly broken. This is, you know, coming out of the financial crisis, banks had really pulled back. There was just a, a big gap in the market. And so yeah. summer 2011, we started working on a business, which at that point was called um, Endurance Lending Network. We raised some equity capital, raised mm -hmm. some debt capacity and got the thing going. 
And long story short, we were out in the market talking about um, raising our, our kind of second price, uh, price financing when we got into a really good conversation with uh, a group of folks who were doing something very similar um, in the UK. And so long story short, summer of, uh, I guess it was spring, summer 2013, put those two businesses together and you know operated that under the, the Funding Circle brand. I, I was then involved for another, I guess, five and a half years uh, from then. And you know at that point, you know, across the US and the UK, I think we were about 80 people with memory serves. So it's still pretty small. Yeah. And uh, when I left, by the time I left in uh, 2018, we'd scaled that up to um, over a thousand people uh, globally, 10 billion in cumulative originations, you know, 50,000 small, small and medium sized enterprise customers across uh, the US, UK, uh, Germany, Netherlands, and Spain. And it was a pretty wild ride. You're absolutely right. Uh, you, we ended up making the company public in um, 2018. Uh, we listed on the London Stock Exchange and I was uh, at that point, I transitioned out of my operating role, but was still involved from a governance and advisory perspective. And so was able to go over uh, for, for the listing. And it was just an incredible experience. I mean, it's, I hope I am lucky enough to, to, to have the, the chance to do that again with it, with another business I'm involved in building, but it was a pretty amazing sure uh, milestone. I'm sure, I'm sure you will be. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the IPO process? What, you know, how did you guys think about it versus raising another round of capital? Or, uh, or get you know, or getting. I'm sure you had some inbound offers uh, as it relates to M&A and getting acquired. So a lot of founders, you know, when they think about where to take their company, of course, if you're uh, a much later stage company and you have all the right, right metrics, um, IPO can be the best option. But M&A can also be sometimes the best option. And, and sometimes uh, a third option is you know neither. Just keep on raising and, and building the company. So how did you guys think about from a corporate development perspective as a founder, CEO of, uh, of Funding Circle US, how did you think across these these three options? For sure. So at the time that Funding Circle went, went public, it had been around for in the UK for eight plus years. And so, and from a capitalization perspective, you know, the holding company level at that point, we'd raised um, 373 million in equity capital in the private markets. And we got kind of to this realization, you know, the thinking around this really started kind of late 2016 going into 2017, that it felt like the business really should be set up to, to run on its own two legs for, for a long time to come. I think had we wanted to raise more money in the private markets, it probably would have been there. But, you know, being in the public markets does give you access to capital in a way that, you know, it's sometimes harder in, in the private markets. And so long story short, you know, collectively, you know, the folks who were in the executive team at that point in time, we, we got around a table and, and decided that was the, the the right way to drive an outcome in in the business. And so, you know, as Andreas, I'm sure you are familiar with and have seen the, the the IPO planning process, almost regardless of where you list, it's a pretty long process, right? There's a lot from a financial controls perspective you need to put in place. From a registration perspective, you need to do a lot on the legal front. You need to make sure that on the, the kind of team and incentives front, a lot is in place. And you also need to be really thoughtful about how you think about kind of managing investors' expectations. And so it's not something you can do um, overnight, you know, although obviously the recent uh, slate of listings and uh, registrations here in the U.S. may suggest otherwise. I'm, I'm sure a lot of these companies have been thinking about this for uh, for some time. It's so, an IPO frenzy right now. It does appear to be a bit of that. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And so you have, you know, since then you put your head back down, you started thinking about a new idea. My understanding is that you were part of a Y Combinator class. Did you, did you incubate? You know, maybe you can tell me a little bit about what is Vouch Insurance? How did you come up with the idea? Did you incubate it before? Or was it partially incubated with Y Combinator? Just tell me a little bit about the company and what you guys are up to. 
Yeah. So, so as I was transitioning out of my role at uh, Funding Circle, and this is back kind of March, April, 2018, you know, took some time off. Uh, honestly, I was pretty beat. I was seven and a half years into that journey. And, you know, a couple of those years are, you know, startup years can be dog years. So I was pretty tired and had a chance to really just kind of decompress, spend time with my, you know, with my family, my wife and daughter, spend time with my, my, my folks and uh, spent a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to do next. And ultimately really came back to, I love building stuff. And I remain really passionate about how you can use technology to build better financial services and insurance businesses. Mm -hmm. You know, these are categories that are, they're massive categories. They're mm -hmm. still mostly dominated by incumbent players and mm -hmm. they touch all of our lives. And so again, was excited to do something entrepreneurial. I had actually done a lot of work in the insurance space earlier in my career, both on the kind of strategy and kind of go to market front. And actually as an investor, funnily, actually the very first venture deal I was ever involved with, I was supporting some follow on financing and actually the, the European business I'd mentioned a minute ago was mm. a company called Duck Creek Technologies, which just went public a week ago. Oh, yes. Duck um, Creek before. You I was back, back when I was at, at Pequot Capital at the time that I worked with a couple of folks who were very involved with getting Duck kind of, well, funded and, and kind of Got properly it. scaling. And so I actually spent a ton of time with the, the leadership team way back then. And so Duck, for those on the podcast who don't know, Duck Creek Technologies is a policy management systems company. They provide technology and services to insurance companies. And so I'd spent time thinking about how you can use uh, technology in the context of building better insurance carriers. And so coming you know, into you know, Vouch, front of mind were really two ideas. Um, and my co-founder and our early backers at uh, Ribbit and at uh, Silicon Valley Bank, where we're kind of, those were our anchor partners, we were all really excited about two ideas. The first of which was using technology to build a fundamentally better provider of commercial insurance. Mm -hmm. And the second of those, really going deep on serving the needs of entrepreneurial companies and the people in those businesses. And one of the partnerships that's been really critical for us is our strategic partnership with Silicon Valley Bank. Mm -hmm. SVB, as you probably know, you know, they've got 50% market share of venture-backed companies. Right. They actually bank 80% of venture capitalists. They're, they're an amazing they, channel partner for you guys, for sure. Well, they, and they saw firsthand the, the problem that we were speaking to. Yeah. And so long story short, we all decided to team up and, and get the business going. We decided to take the company through Y Combinator, and we were very lucky and, and fortunate to, to do that. That experience, you know, we were part of the summer 19 batch, was really terrific just in terms of going deep with some of our target users. And I mean, I can't say enough good things about how, how wonderful the YC community has, has been. And then, you know, more recently, uh, YC Continuity, which is the growth equity fund associated with Y Combinator, actually led our, our Series B financing. And so, you know, where we stand today, uh, we provide property and casualty insurance for other high growth uh, technology startups. Mm -hmm. We've Our programs have been in market now for about a year. We're in 23 states all across the, uh, the U.S., have a team of about 50 people and uh, have helped now, you know, well into the hundreds of clients get all the business insurance they need to uh, start and then to scale their businesses. Amazing. And what's down the pike in terms of future growth and fundraising? How do you guys, you know, it's interesting for, as a founder, what's your philosophy uh, on fundraising? And what would be some advice you'd give others in a kind of a similar growth stage as you? And you've done sure. it before, so. Well, so, so I guess my learned experience of this is the right approach for funding really depends on the situation and the type of company you're trying to build. Thinking about, um, you know, what types of businesses should be bootstrapped, what types of businesses, you know, require or are benefited by raising venture capital, you know, how overcapitalized you should be really comes down to kind of your philosophy of business and how big the, the opportunity is. And also, frankly, the, the, the kind of upfront capital costs of the problem. What, one thing that is just fundamentally true about insurance is 
it is a heavy user of the capital and reinsurance markets kind of by definition. And so having a well-funded platform is actually a real benefit in its own right. And so that kind of explains why we've chosen to raise a good amount of equity capital, perhaps more quickly than you might in another sector, right? If we were building a, a pure software or services business, I think our funding approach would perhaps be a bit different. Now, on a go forward basis, we're in a really lucky position, which is we still have the vast majority of the funds we've ever raised. The business has grown really nicely. And so what I think that'll mean is we will be able to pick our own timing as to when we, we raise more capital. And then from a growth perspective, you know, the way I'd situated is, you know, we've had a lot of success serving early stage companies in their earliest moments and, and also as they scale. And we really think we're just getting going in terms of, you know, serving some of the explicit as well as frankly, some of the more tacit needs from a risk management risk transfer perspective in this, in the sector. And so we're having a lot of fun with it. Amazing. So is it, would it be right to, or fair comparison? What, like what Brex is for startups with credit you guys are for uh, insurance? Is that a fair comparison in, in a way? Being there from I mean, the beginning. Some big difference. There's some, obviously some important differences between yeah. credit card and banking services and insurance. But in terms of how we think about it philosophically, I do think that's a good analog. And I, I've gotten to know the, the Brex uh, team uh, pretty well over the last couple of years, have a, a lot of respect for what they're doing. And I do think there are certain things they've done really well, which you know we will you know reflect on as we think about how, how to build docs properly. How are, like, what's the main, from a corporate development perspective, what is your main competitive advantage relative to uh, incumbents in your mind um, as to uh, the core value that Vouch is bringing for, for companies and startups in the insurance space? Absolutely. So it's a great question. And, and I love this kind of question of structural advantage in a particular category. Um, right. So the way we think about it is in terms of what are the drivers of value in insurance, the first is a differentiated approach from a distribution perspective. And that's where our deep integrated partnership approach uh, really comes in here. I mentioned and we'll be more excited to announce staff. So distribution where we're really there in the moment of need when, when a startup needs business insurance, critically mm -hmm. important. Secondly, from a product experience perspective, the digital experience that we're actually offering through to a client, both at time of application, but then over the life cycle of the account. That also is quite different and much more powerful, we think, than the traditional way that uh, most insurance carriers, at least, or brokers for that matter, try to approach this client opportunity. Thirdly, we've actually built new insurance programs. And by that, I mean coverage, forms, an approach to underwriting and rating that obviously you know has an ear to what exists in the market today, but that has really been tailored to meet some of the unique needs of high growth technology-driven companies. Um, and that includes, frankly, our, our framework around some of the underwriting differences that come up naturally from you know the difference between, for example, a digital gaming company on the one hand and a digital health company on the other, which have fundamentally yeah. requirements. Um, and then lastly, we're really trying to take a thoughtful approach to risk, man risk management and risk mitigation. And our belief is if we can actually help our clients build better businesses, ones that have you know fewer issues, fewer errors over time, that's mm -hmm. not only good for them, but it's actually very good for us as their insurance backstop. And so it's when you pull those things together that ultimately I think you can do something that, uh, again, generates a lot of value for, for the market and hopefully over time really builds a, a, a valuable business. Amazing. Amazing. And then in terms of the future of the company, in terms of growth, are you mostly, I know you're focused today in terms of U.S. How do you, thinking about your previous company, Finding Circle, that was, was fairly global, how are you thinking about I guess, expansion. My understanding is that insurance is just so niche and market focused that it's really tough to have 
a, a multi-territory or multi-country expansion opportunity. Are you guys thinking about international in the future? Is that even on, you know, in, in the horizon at some point, or is it just such a different market that you know it doesn't even make sense to think about? Well, well, I'd start by kind of thinking about what our kind of purpose as a business is, and and what we think about that is, you know, our purpose is really in helping entrepreneurs manage their most important risks. And by the way, there are amazing entrepreneurs using technology to transform the way the world works all over the world, right? Silicon Valley remains an important hub for that activity, but mm -hmm. it's certainly across the U.S. And we've been really focused on making sure we serve you know other hubs within the U.S. And it also exists globally to a very high degree. Yeah. Now, you're absolutely right that the way insurance is regulated is very geographic specific. Mm -hmm. And so the business model that may work in the U.S. may have to be different to be successful in continental Europe, for example. But we certainly have the aspiration over time. Once we've gotten real momentum and proved things out here, we would love to be able to, to serve, you know, great entrepreneurs in, in other geographies as well. Great. Thank you, Sam. We're at the tail end of our show. I always like to ask a few fun questions. It's not only about business I'm on corpdev.ninja. So well, I was joking. We should have had the, the, the two cocktails before we started the, uh, started the podcast. You know, I might start that might be a ritual, like a, a ritual I have now. For but although I do have these shows during the middle and early work hours, so it might be a little weird for me we to have. Just, a, we can just, we can just. I'm in insurance. We can pretend we're in Bermuda. It's time for a cocktail. Oh, it's time for exactly. <laughs> yeah, I may have to implement that next for the next one. Well, how are like what are you eating these days? What I mean, how are you holding up with COVID? Are you cooking at home? Are you using any sort of meal plans? Or how are you feeding yourself? This is just a. I'm such a foodie. I just love to ask people these yeah, questions. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I, th I think we share that. So um, in terms of what I'm eating, I think that the honest answer is too much. Um, <laughs> in, terms of where, in terms of where I'm getting it, it's mostly home cooked. Cooking is and has for a long time been one of my one of my favorite hobbies and a good way to unwind at the end of the day. So the fact that it's harder to go out to restaurants these days, you yeah. know, I, as much as I want to support my local restaurants, I also enjoy cooking, cooking at home uh, pretty what, frequently. What's, what's, your, what's your cuisine of choice or... What are you most dangerous in? Oh, that's a good question. I would I'd probably have to go with kind of broadly speaking Mediterranean cuisine. And that's partially just because that's my my wife's you know, you know eating preference. And so she has forced me to, to develop some skills in the area. I will personally admit that I also love Korean food. And so I've bought probably five different Korean cookbooks. There's a great Korean market that's actually about eight blocks from where I'm sitting right now. And so you know, that's probably one of my other go-tos, although I can't in any way claim mastery over Korean cuisine yet. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, kimchi fan. I actually have always a bottle of uh, a jar of kimchi always stocked in the fridge for the most part. Are you using any apps to stay like active or how are you staying fit or exercising as well? I know that you're an energetic guy. I, again, as I'm eating too much, I'm probably exercising too little. I mean, my answer on this one is, is kind of boring or trite, which is Peloton, right? It is just an amazing fast workout. I love high intensity interval stuff. The Tabata rides are amazing. So that's kind of my go-to a couple times a week. And then actually my, the woman I used to work with out as my trainer, she's actually been doing virtual sessions. And so we've been, we've been doing those as well. And that's just a good way to mix it up a little bit. And mm -hmm. I'm just hoping that the smoke and fires clear up so I can, we can exercise outside a little bit more. Um, great having you on the show, Sam. I loved having you on the show. We've learned a lot here today. A lot of truths from the trenches, a lot of insights from corporate development, Really interesting to hear your track from, you know, consulting and finance to building a super successful startup funding circle to IPO to going back in and building your latest company. 
Valish Insurance. And, you know, I, I'm going to be watching you over the years and expecting another IPO in the future. And uh, hopefully I can get a call before the IPO to invest. <laughs> Deal. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. We'll see you. All right, everyone.